Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. Oh, sh- I'm back. I am alive. I am Dr. Fuck, and with me as always is... Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley, and uh, I guess we got some explaining to do from the, the last episode you guys heard. Um, you guys don't even know half of it, and uh, believe me, um, I blacked out during our last episode... Uh, I don't remember, but the last thing I remember, because I edited that episode and I sent it to Ian, the last thing I do remember was talking about doing the Deep Purple and Rock review, but by the time we were talking about the actual songs like Speed King and stuff, I don't remember none of that. And listening back at it, it was, it was insane. And let me tell you, I did an edit job because this... That show was so long, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, I you didn't really miss anything that I that I edited because what I edited was like hours of me repeating myself <laughs> and saying the same shit over and over and over and over again. So I I, I whittled it down, and uh, but I did leave like such drunken, embarrassing ramblings <laughs> on my part. And anybody that heard last week's episode, you do understand that I I am not painted in the nicest light. I am beyond drunk, annoying, uh, cutting off Ian more than he's ever cut me off. <laughs> I was just so obliviated, drunk, fucked up off my brain. And then at the end of the episode, as you all heard, I puked my brains out. Now, um... Any other person would not air something like that. But for the good of the show, I aired it. And I think it is a really good uh, testament to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast how it doesn't matter, you know? I mean, today, funny enough, today I got a text from the great Bill Wang. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, who he actually said to me, oh, I love the edit job you did to Heaven and Hell. I think it's great. And plus, I wasn't <laughs> drunk and annoying. I said, dude. What I did last week, I was so beyond drunk and annoying and threw up and everything. On the mic, you hear me throwing up. I left it all in. Because that just shows you. I'm not one to, oh, let me just leave Bill Wang really drunk. And, you know, because, you know, I want, no, 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 no. It's for the good of the show. And I'm, I'm sorry, Bill Wang, but I like you, I, I like you drunk as fuck as, as much as you were on the Heaven and Hell episode. But, um,. Uh, before I get into what happened to me after I threw up, uh, I want to like just talk to Ian for a second because um, Ian, as you uh, recall, because I'll tell what happened to me afterwards after Ian tells me what he went through when he heard me vomiting. Do you remember that, Ian? Because I know you were drunk too, but not, uh, yeah, not yet. No, yeah. I was. Uh, I was about sixteen beers in. Uh, by this point, I was very drunk, but uh, when, uh, 
if I remember correctly, I asked you about your opinion and you didn't answer. And then all of a sudden I heard you vomiting. And uh, I remember kind of laughing at first, but then I got scared because I thought you was going to like bomb Scott out and shit. <laughs> so right. I was like, I was like, oh shit, oh shit. And I kept trying to call you and you didn't answer. And, and I started I started texting your friends. I was like, hey, check on him, man. I'm I'm scared. And, you know, I didn't know until I woke up the next morning. Hungover as shit. You know, I did, you know, for those listeners, I did my radio show the next day. I was still drunk when I got up, you know. But at least I knew you were safe by that point. But I I still didn't know the whole story of what happened uh, (laughs) post-vomit. Right. Um, Oh, and me neither. And I'm still trying to piece it together. But the most insane thing happened to me that night. There's a few things that I haven't even told you about, Ian, that you will be quite surprised. So what 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 happened to you post-vomit? Okay, um, as you remember, that night, uh, I was getting drunk. I got drunk. I started drinking wine around 5 p.m. This was before Ian even got off work. By the time Ian and I started the show, I was already uh, three hours into drinking. And um, I was already, I was, I, if you listen to the episode, I'm very, you know, cohesive in the beginning. You can tell I'm drunk, I'm buzzed. But as the show progressed, I mean, I just got more hammered and hammered to the point where, and um, let me tell you something. I found four empty bottles of wine and one of the bottles is missing. So I know those four bottles of wine I drank by myself. And one of those bottles was Sutter Home, like those real big bottles. And um, so I don't remember drinking that much. I mean, obviously I was just so fucked up. And um, so anyway, so as you remember, Ian, the, the, the plan that night was to do the podcast and then I was gonna go on the air and do a Dr. Fuck show on that metal station. Right. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen. And uh, Scott Green was trying to get a hold of me as well. Like, dude, what the fuck? Why aren't you on the air, you know? And, uh, and a couple other people. So anyway, that night, I don't remember anything up to the point where I remember saying to Ian, fuck it, let's do the Deep Purple review. I don't give a fuck. I mean, I remember that. That's the last thing I remember. The next thing I remember, I'm waking up in a stranger's house on a living room floor next to a couch. Three feet away from me is a girl I do not know. (laughs) Lying on the floor as well. And not moving. And I was, what the hell's going on? You know, so... And I even went up to the girl, and she was alive. And I was like, did I kill this girl, you know? (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, I'm in some stranger's house. Let me get the fuck out of here and go home, right? So I walk out, and the sun is up. And I look around, and I'm like, wait a second. This ain't Miami Beach. And I look, (laughs) and I see the turnpike is right next. It's right next to this house. You can see it in the... Where I'm standing, you can see the turnpike. And I'm thinking, where the fuck am I? And then I'm looking around, I was like, where's my car? I don't even know where my car is, and what am I doing here? I don't even know what I'm here. And then I noticed my parents' car. 
And I'm like, what the fuck? And I noticed I had my 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 parents' car key. And I'm like, whoa! So I get I get up I get in the car and I get my phone. Thank God I didn't lose my phone. It was in my pocket. And oh, need I remind you? I woke up fully clothed with my shoes on and everything. Now here's the timeline. It's 7 a.m. By the time I got on the highway, it was about 7:30. Now. I woke up at 7 a.m. because I spent like a good 20 minutes figuring out what the hell's going on. And um, so I get on my GPS like to get home, like where the fuck am I? And it turns out I'm in Hollywood, Florida. Now Hollywood, Florida is about 25, 30 minutes away from Miami Beach. I think what I can think of, I drove all the way to Hollywood in a blackout. And not only that, I drove it with my parents' car. Where I drove my car, or perhaps she did, I don't know who the fuck drove. But my car was driven to my parents' house. I walked inside my parents' house and grabbed their car keys. Then went back outside and somehow end up in Hollywood. Now, while I'm driving home, I notice I have a voicemail. And it's Ian. And by the way, Ian, you said something really funny on the voicemail. You said, "You said, brother, I'm very worried you were throwing up on the air. And when you said that, the first thing that thought in my mind, I was like, wait a second. I do the podcast sitting in front of my computer. So there must be a pool of vomit on the floor at my house. Or maybe even worse, all over my computer. I'm like, this is not good. And then you said, "I'm, dude, I, you're... You told me Odyssey from the Elders great, and, and what? Yeah, you said that on the voicemail. You said you told me Odyssey from the Elders great, and you're making me really worried. <laughs> I don't remember that. Yeah, you said that in the voicemail. It was really funny. But anyway, I was like, holy shit! So I'm like, I gotta get to my parents' house before they find out I took their car, right? And lucky enough, I got there, and they were still asleep. I went into the house. I put the keys back. I got my car, and I went home. And when I walked in my house, I saw no vomit anywhere. And I'm like, huh, that's odd. I thought Ian said I was vomiting. Maybe, you know, he heard wrong, whatever. And um, so I proceeded to pass the fuck out. I went in my bedroom and went back to sleep. Now... I woke up the next day and I'm like, dude, you know, this is crazy what happened last night. How, did I drive in a blackout super? Or was it this person I was with that was laying on the floor near me? I couldn't put piece anything together. Now, here's what I found out later on yesterday at night. This is after I spoke with you. I okay. found out that I actually did go on the air on that metal station. What? Yes and check out what I did. I went on Facebook and said, I'm going on the air, I got things to say. Okay? <laughs> I don't remember none of this. And according to Kathy, my ex-girlfriend, who was there, because I got all this information from her, she said, because she saw me do the post, so she went in the chat room, and she said she listened to me for about, I don't know, I didn't play one song. All I... <laughs> All I did was I got on the air and started rambling about whatever. And at one point, uh, I started talking about Kathy because she was in the chat room. 
And she said I was saying like the nicest things about her and all these nice things. And then I kept saying, all right, I gotta leave. I gotta meet up with a girl. And she said every time I said that, I would go into another ramble for like five minutes. And then say, okay, I gotta leave. I gotta meet, meet up with a girl. And then continue talking after that. Over and over until finally, I said, I gotta leave. I gotta meet up with a girl. Turn off. Then I did sign off. Now, the timeline. Check out the timeline. She told me I was on the air at four in the morning. So between four in the morning to 7 a.m., I somehow ended up in Hollywood. So that's a three hour, you know, thing. Now, I don't, dude, to tell you the truth, maybe, and she, you know, I was talking to her trying to pick up the pieces. And maybe, just maybe, I um, went and picked up my parents' car before I came on the air. So I already had it with me. Or I went over there early, whatever. But here's the part that freaks me out, dude. And wait till you hear this shit, Ian. And I haven't deleted it yet. I posted a picture on Facebook that night with that girl. Holy shit. Yes. And it says, Dr. Fuck with Lady Reaper. Now, I, I don't, I didn't tag this girl or nothing. And I'm like, and you see me in the picture, dude? My hair's a little messy, but I don't look like, you know, I'm a, in a blacked out stupor. You know, I'm smiling and I'm, I took a picture with this girl posted on Facebook in a blackout. Well, I, I had a text on my phone when I woke up from you at 1.31 my time. So that would have been 2.31 your time. And you said... I'm okay. I'm going to pass out. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. So, and, and according to you, see, I'm trying to piece everything together. So, according to you, I was vomiting about midnight, correct? Uh, uh About midnight my time. So, about one, one o'clock your time. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So, so. And then you text me about uh, an hour and a half my time after you vomited saying you were okay and you were going to pass out. Uh, yeah, and there and this okay. I did edit one little thing because it was pointless, but it was kind of funny though. But people wouldn't have gotten it because, but it was really funny. Um, when I passed out uh, after I puked my brains out, I had my phone near the computer, and your ringtone is hear about it later from Van Halen. Nice. Right? So <laughs> when you were calling, that song would come on. And you're like, oh, cool, Van Halen. <laughs> you actually said that. But it would have made no <laughs> sense. Like the song was playing, you're like, "Oh, cool, Van Halen." You know. <laughs> but I edited that that part out, and you did call several times. And then, the way that that uh, last week's episode ends is you're like, "Oh shit, he hung up on me." And, and that's how that the way that that tape ends is exactly how you hear it. I just edited out the little ringtone thing. That's it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Now, this is a couple things I pieced, I, uh, just a couple things I did piece together. I couldn't find any phone number on my phone. I didn't call anybody. I didn't text anybody except for Ian. And um, so how did I end up in Hollywood and how did I speak to this person, Lady Reaper? I went and checked my Facebook, met and I remember yesterday after I woke up in, in this fucking serious haze, I was trying to figure out what was going on. So I went in my Facebook messages. I didn't find anything there and all shit. So then finally, 
after I tell Kathy the story last night, Kathy did her little research and she found the girl that I was with. And I was like, oh shit, I know this girl because I met her for the first time ever at the last Rashid Eyes show because she bought a shirt off me. That's all I remember. And it was funny because she also mentioned how my ex-girlfriend from years ago uh, stole the Thrashed Eyes shirt from her that she bought before, which I found really kind of funny because that girl is the reason Thrashed Eyes existed, which is a whole different other story. Anyway, so I was like, oh my God, when she showed me her, I was like, oh man, I do know her because I met her that one time. And uh, so I went again in Facebook and yes, it is buried, but there was a little message from her and me going back and forth. And she's like, come over. And I'm like, and I write on there, I say, well, give me your address. And she wrote her address and I wrote, I'm on my way. And that's it. And then, now, well, go ahead. Not to cut you off, but Lady Reaper. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that Scott Green's wife's CB handle? <laughs> okay, Scott Green, that was him. That was, uh, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, the, the last thing I wrote, cause I, I wrote, I'm on my way. And then I wrote one more thing. And the last thing I wrote there was I'm here. So when I pulled up, I wrote, I'm here. Um, oh, and also in the messages, I was like, give me your phone. And she said, um, I I'm out of minutes. So I couldn't call her. So I never got her number. So what I did was I drove there. When I got there, I wrote, I'm here. Okay. Now, uh, I found this out, so now it's like, okay, the final pieces of the puzzle are, I need to speak with her and find out exactly what happened, what I did when I was there and everything. But at the same time, I'm a little petrified to find out. And I don't know whenever I want to know the whole truth of what happened. Somebody got anal, it's just a matter of who. Hmm. Exactly. <laughs> and another thing I was thinking of, I was like, could it be... The blacked out me was doing all this shit before I came to, you know? Yeah. Wow. You know, can you imagine, like, what the fuck? It's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing because here I am. I mean, did this girl drive or does she live up there? I don't know. And if you look at the picture on Facebook, you see the location on there says Hollywood Gardens, which shows you I'm fucking in Hollywood taking a picture and it's like, Oh, I gotta look at the time. I didn't really notice the timeline. Now, did I fuck this girl? Because I woke up completely clothed, even with my shoes on, on the floor. <laughs> and, uh, shit, dude. I mean, tell, I'm telling you, man, I have never, ever, ever been as drunk. And I've been drunk before. I mean, I've been, I've blacked out before. But dude, every time I blacked out, I mean, I remember one time I blacked out and I got woken up by a homeless woman while I was laying down on the beach. You know, that, that's the worst that's ever happened. When I black out, I go to sleep. I don't fucking go to my parents' house and take their car for a joyride. So that right there is the story of last week. And, um, and then last night, I mean, I was, I was hurting so bad even the day after that I, act, I actually had to call in sick. And uh, and I'm taking the whole week off. And actually I'm not going to work today, so 
I'm drinking again. <laughs> but this time, I am pacing myself. This is actually my first glass, and uh, I don't plan on drinking too much, you know, because I learned my lesson. But I figure, fuck it, let me do a proper uh, review with Ian, uh, drunk, you know. I mean, somewhat drunk, buzz. I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nursing this shit, but I'm drinking. And I figured if we go on long enough, maybe uh, I'll get a, a little, a little buzz, a little drunk. Ian, on the other hand, how many beers are you in already? Fuck if I know. It's football day. I'm drunk. Yeah, Ian has. Ian is doing this show after he watched his football. Game. That's right. So he's been drinking all fucking day. It's kind of like the opposite because when we did our last show, Ian started drinking. I was already like, what, what was it? Three hours into it. So and 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 in the timeline. I, oh yeah, and here's another thing. When I got back home, I, I mentioned this earlier. There were four bottles of wine right on the table. This table I, I used to, to um, what do you call a drink? And oh, you, you you forgot to mention where you did find your puke. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I actually found I I puked inside an ice bucket. <laughs> I have and and uh, shout out to my good friend Jamie who who hooked me up with uh, some wine and and it's not red wine and I didn't drink none of the wine she gave me but one of the bottles that she gave me is missing from that night and I'm thinking did I take that to Hollywood and was that girl passed out because of that wine I don't know that's a mystery to me but. Uh, I found, and dude, that bucket, it freaked me out because it was full of puke, right? And when I went to go dump it in the toilet, it was all red, like blood. And I was like, oh my God, did I puke blood? And then I forgot. I was like, no, I was drinking red wine all night, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's crazy too. I found all the puke inside. And luckily, you know, as hammered as I was, I was at least conscious enough to grab the ice bucket. And, and throw up into it, but it is, it is kind of odd because that I, I know for sure that ice bucket was about six, seven feet away from me with three bottles of wine inside that ice bucket. I actually got up, took the wine bottles out, came back into the computer, and proceeded to throw up. And I, I did, and even if you listen to the audio, it sounds like I'm kind of grabbing it, and you hear like a lot of like shuffling around so i must have taken off my earphones went over there took the bottles off and then brought back the ice bucket here put my earphones back on and then proceeded to puke i don't think there's any podcast out there even the podcast that i love would keep a fucking audio and air it of their host throwing up on the air and just saying the most fucking hammered annoying stupid shit and I kept it in. Let me tell you something. I may have edited shit I repeated, but I didn't edit anything I didn't repeat. I kept everything that I didn't repeat or that I, I the first time I said it before repeating is in last week's episode. It's you know, and we're recording this before we air that episode. I'm almost thinking we should, we should title that like exclusive interview with Axl Rose. So just everybody listens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Axl Rose calls in at some point. Yeah, exactly. But we were blacked out. We didn't. We didn't pick up. <laughs> Man, oh my God! And you know, I mean, it's. I I would say right now it'd be hard to top last week's episode as far as like 
the most insane episode we've ever done. Well, I, I, I said that on my radio show the other day. I said this is either going to be our best episode or our worst, and either way, that's saying something. So, yeah, it was uh, quite a fucked-up experience, let me tell you. But right on. I got to tell you, man, right here. Hold on, hold on. I am the luckiest person ever. I did not crash. That is if I drove the car. I, that's still... Right. I didn't crash. I didn't and, and, and you didn't kill anybody. That's I didn't a good kill thing. anybody. And that I, we know of. And I... Yeah, exactly. And I am so much against drunk driving that... But you got to understand, I was blacked out. I was fucking possessed by Satan. You know, it's just pretty much, you know, the Lord of Wine just took over and... Let me tell you something. I mean, look, I've become a big wine drinker as of late, and I overdid it, you know, because I was like, I was excited because there was a couple factors. One, I haven't done the podcast in too long, and two, this is the first time I'm doing the podcast drunk, so I wanted to be, I was just, and you know, I spent the day with this beautiful girl, I had a great time with her. I was just in an amazing mood, you know, that day, and, uh, and oh, and I forgot, I didn't eat, <laughs> so that didn't help either. So that all that contributed to uh, the night where fucking Dr. Jekyll took over, man. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that Jekyll and Hyde together again, except instead of Coke, it's fucking wine. All right, well, why don't we get into this and uh, you talk about when you first heard in rock. Um, I don't remember the first time I heard in rock, but I do remember um, I was, a, I, I remember as a little kid in the 70s, I bought that Deep Purple Greatest Hits album. That the album cover was kind of like a space, a spaceship thing. Deepest Purple. No, it wasn't Deepest Purple, was it? <coughs> or no, um, the best of Deep Purple, I think. It's some who do they fuck? Yeah, some shit like that. Though I did own the Deepest Purple. I think maybe Deepest Purple was the second album I owned. I like bought two Greatest Hits. No, oh, that's, I know what it is. That's when we rock, we rock, and when we roll, we roll. Okay, that's the first Deep Purple album I bought. Because when I was a little kid, I loved Highway Star and space trucking. That's the only shit I knew and smoking the water, of course. So I went and bought that album and I loved it. And then I, I, I bought um, uh, the Deepest Purple, but I also remember owning um, Fireball. Uh, it was a hand-me-down from my brother. So those are the three albums I remember. As far as like in rock, I can't remember when I bought it, but I do remember when I did finally buy in rock, I bought the lame American version without the intro. Right. With the little keyboard shit. So when I, so I, I'll, I'll tell you the first time I remember actually hearing the proper version was when I bought it on CD. And I heard the beginning with the feedback and all, and I was like, holy shit, what the fuck? And it made me really upset that, you know, I never knew this song like this. You know, I knew it the other way. So, and I do remember in rock, I mean, I'm sure like right after I bought it, right after I listened to it, I do recall uh, saying right away, this is my favorite Deep Purple album. And to this day, I think it is the best Deep Purple album. I think it's um, it's them uh, finding, finding, finding their ground. And I love the Dave Evans, Nick Simpler, Book of Talos, Shades of Deep Purple, the Deep Purple album. I love all that shit, but this is so different. This is... You know, and the whole story behind this was, you know, uh, before this, you know, they had uh, the concerto orchestra thing with John Lord, 
Right. And Richie Blackmore said to John Lord, listen, I want to do a hard rock album. And if it doesn't work, we'll go back to the orchestra. And John Lord agreed, and that's how In Rock was done. And thank God it did succeed. And, uh, yeah, dude. And then they brought in Ian Gillen and, and, and Roger Glover, to me, the most essential of all Deep Purple lineups. And I love just about every Deep Purple lineup. And, um, I think it's a solid album. Uh, just missed, just missed it because Black Sabbath, uh, the first album came out months prior to it, but it came out the same year metal was born. And even though you can't really say In Rock is a metal album, it's very proto metal. And there are certain parts that are very, very metal sounding, like Flight of the Rat and shit like that. Into the Fire is very, I mean, shit. It's just as metal as what Black Sabbath was doing on that first album. Um, it's it's a groundbreaking album. It's criminally underrated in America because America sucks. Uh, Deep Purple, one time an amazing fucking popular band in America, and now kind of like you know, Grand Funk Railroad. Remember they played Shea Stadium. <laughs> exactly. Know? They they, were, they broke Beatles records. Exactly for attendance. That, that was a band that was huge too. You know, Deep Purple. Or you, I mean, Deep Purple still more bigger than Grand Funk today, but. They are not really revered and remembered as a, a Black Sabbath or Led Zeppelin, that's for sure. Right. So there you go. That's my uh, backstory on In Rock. How about you? Uh, I'd never even heard this album in its entirety till probably maybe about a year ago. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, I just I'd never uh, bought this one for whatever reason, and I knew. You know, like the hits off of it through like different compilations I had and stuff. But I guess what always turned me off is it took me a long time to get into Child in Time. Like it, you, that song used to bore the shit out of me. Uh, you know, and I just never understood why it was held in such high esteem. I just found it like too long and slow. And I think that's what put me off to the sound because I'm like, well, yeah, I got Speed King on this greatest hits and blah 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 and you know for whatever reason I just stuck with like Machine Head and uh, and Fireball and also I, you know I'm huge on the Glenn Hughes David Coverdale era uh, you know I love Burn and Stormbringer and Come Taste the Band uh, I put it right up there with the Ian Gillen shit you know and Roger Glover shit it's different but uh, to, to me it's just as good it's just different now whether it should be called Deep Purple or not I don't know uh, but for whatever reason this is an album I always like ah, I'll get it I'll get it and you know never ended up getting it but uh, you know there was always something weird about Deep Purple in the States to begin with you know for, for my era uh, you know, I think they were more popular in the States, you know, when you were a child than when I was. Big time. You know, because back back then, you know, it was like the big three. It was Zeppelin, Sabbath, and, and Deep Purple. And by the time, you know, I was coming onto the scene, uh, you know, they were pretty much that band that did Smoke on the Water right. and My Woman from Tokyo. And uh, even when Perfect Strangers uh, came out, I didn't really hear it all that much, didn't really care. My first Deep Purple album was House of the Blue Light. And, uh, and that's just because I saw the video for Bad Attitude on Headbangers Ball. And I really liked it. And I talked to my dad. I was like, oh, what do you know about this Deep Purple? He's like, 
fuck you. Let me tell you about Deep Purple. You know, he turned me on to, you know, the older stuff. And, uh, you know, I think I I definitely know I, I heard Made in Japan before I heard in rock. And, and again, it's just, uh, I think Child in Time is, is what, you know, put me off to this album. But now, uh, I would definitely say my opinion's changed on a lot of... I wouldn't call it my favorite Deep Purple at all, but uh, I definitely respect it and, uh, and and have much more admiration for it. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, it's... Um, but, yeah, it is a very groundbreaking... I, I, I mean, personally, I think it's the most consistent album. You know, it doesn't take that many left turns, like, you know, fire, especially Fireball, man. That, that album's all over the place, which I love Fireball. Um, Machine Head is pretty much in the same vein as in rock. I mean, you got, but you got your lazy on there. It's kind of like, takes kind of a bluesy turn. Where I feel like, um, you know, other than Child in Time, but Child in Time still really, it does fit the album. Um, it's, it's a consistent, hard rocking album from beginning to end. It's very fucking, um, was energetic and you know not there's not really that much time to breathe other than than the those those sections in child and time the rest is pretty much uh pretty rip roaring i would say right on well why don't you take the first track all right the first track i'm going to say it differently than the last time <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say everything differently than the last time uh yes like i said speed king it was a song that i first heard on deepest purple and uh, which was the version, the American version, then when I bought it in rock. And I've always loved this song. I mean, it's not my favorite off the album, but I think it's a great fucking song. Um, I think it's pretty rip roaring. It's a little nod to uh, Little Richard and Elvis <laughs> Presley and Chuck Berry. As I said last week, a hundred million times. Um, and uh, I love it. I love, I, especially the, the UK version with the, the whole band coming in. And uh, then it goes into the little mellow keyboard thing and then BAM! Right out the gate with, uh, you know, Good Golly, Miss Molly. And, you know, and Ian Gillen mentions the House of Blue Light, which I don't know where he got that from, to tell you the truth. But uh, that That's an old... Uh... It's like a whorehouse thing, kind of like a red light district. A house with blue light, I believe, was a was a house of ill repute. Oh, okay, all right. There you go. Learn something every day. Good going there, Ian. All right, with your fact checking. <laughs> Who, uh, your old man took you to those places, right? That's why. You yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. I'm going into that house of blue yeah. light, son. Yeah, yeah. He he couldn't afford the good whores. I got the blue light special, the Kmart whores. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I love this fucking song. Um, and, uh, but, you know, it's a great open. It's an awesome, a perfect opener for the album. And uh, almost like a live staple. It's just about every time I see Deep Purple, they, they do perform this live. And uh, I love it. What do you think, Ian? Uh, I, I've got mixed feelings on this one. It, it, in one hand, it's like, wow, what a state. I mean... If you compare it to the first three uh, Deep Purple albums, which which I love those as well, but you're talking about a totally different beast there. Uh, but this man just comes out. It's so heavy and so cool. And I I get what Gillen's doing, you know, with mixing up all the you know the different lyrics. 
but to me that I would say that's the only drawback to this song is is lyrically at least in the verses I like the chorus of the speed king but uh, in the verses where he's mixing up the other shit I'll tell you somebody who did it perfect was our Lord and Savior David Lee Roth on uh, the song you and your blues on uh, a different kind of truth great song. where where he mixed in a bunch of different blues titles and made a song out of different blues songs and 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 Gillen does the the same thing here you you know using different lyrics from from little Richard and Elvis and Chuck Berry but I I guess my only complaint with with, with Ian Gillen would be his lyrics sometimes are just so weird and abstract and just so different it kind of loses me sometimes where you know geezer's lyrics for sabbath were very kind of to the point uh zeppelin's lyrics could be abstract but there was still like a cohesiveness you know, you know but, i but, was i was gonna mention well let, please remind me of that zeppelin lyrics after you're done yeah i mean because there is some zeppelin shit that i have no idea what they're talking about but I think it was, there was just something about the way uh, Plant sang them that made them all go together. And another example I'll give is The Doors. I'm a huge Doors fan. Huge Doors fan. But I won't pretend for one second that I know what in the fuck he's talking about. You know, if it's poetry, whatever. It makes no sense to me, but the voice is so good. The way he delivers it... Uh, you know, I just kind of look the other way because it has a flow. But with Ian Gillen, it's like, you know, because he'll go from like a banshee scream to like, you know, some really good, clean vocals. But sometimes his lyrics are just so all over the place. Uh, it kind of loses me. But it's very English in a way. And I think that's why they've suffered in the States because there's something so English about Deep Purple, especially, you know, the Mach 2 lineup you know, to me is the most English-like in, in everything they do. And not that it's bad, but it's just so, you know, it's like a lot of Americans, uh, you know, can't get into Monty Python. I love Monty Python, but to a lot of people, it's like, it's too English. You know, like Doctor Who, it's too English. I, I suffer the same thing. I can't get into it. Yet, I love the young ones. Right. But, 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 you know, and Ian Gillen is very English. And even, you know, you look at what he did with Sabbath. Uh, you know, was definitely him trying to be more like dark and demonic, but it's still kind of all over the place in a lot of songs. Where you're like, what in the hell is he talking about? I don't know, but the voice sounds great. But anyway, I, you know, Speed King, I, I I think is great, but if if anything, it, lyrically, I think it suffers. It was the B side to Black Knight, which why Black Knight wasn't released on this album, I have no idea. Uh, because that is, to me, a quintessential Deep Purple track. Now, when they first got together with, with Ian and Roger, they did a song called Hallelujah, which they were supposed to record with Nick Simpler and Rod Evans, but pushed them out of the band, did it without them. The single flopped. So then they did, uh, you know, the concerto for the orchestra and whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, that kind of really didn't succeed either in the U.S. or the States because Deep Purple was a band that, uh, you know, much like Death Leopard, uh, Bad Company, Savoy Brown had way more success in the U.S. 
than they did, you know, in their in their homeland. But uh, with this album, this was the first time they got success, you know, in, in the UK. But prior to this, they released the Black Knight single, and this was the B-side. And, uh, well, Ian, uh, let me correct you for a second. I, okay. own, I own a CD called a- Best of A's and B's, which is all, it's, it's, a, it's a compilation of songs that you have the A-side, then the B-side. Well, Speed King, the B-side of Black Knight, is totally a different recording. It's not the same recording you hear on uh, in rock. It's totally different, 100% different. It's a different recording, different session, different everything. Oh, oh okay. So it's 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 the same song, but just a different different recording of it. Yeah, it's it's, it's it sounds more primitive and much slower. It's very okay. slow. It's like good golly, Miss Molly. It's the same song, but it's much. It's just recorded much more sm- slower and very primitive sounding compared to what the in rock version has. You know? I got you. I got you. But yeah, I mean. Um... I, I don't hate the song. Um, I do think it, it's it's good though as an opener, just because it's so bombastic, you know, Mister Bombastic. Uh, it fucking it just lets you know that this is you know this isn't your father's Deep Purple, that this is a new beast. So in in that I appreciate it, but uh, lyrically it, it uh, leaves me wanting a lot more. Let's talk about Black Knight since it's not on the album. Okay. Um, Black Knight, are you aware of this? It was a ripoff from actual, dude, believe it or not. I mean, I could be wrong and there's going to be Deep Purple purists that are going to get really pissed off at me. But I could be wrong, but I believe it was a Rick Nelson song. Remember Rick Nelson, the teen idol? Yeah, yeah. He had a song that I swear to you, the, the riff is... Oh yeah, yeah. They they talk about that on uh, the Richie Blackmore. Exactly, story, the Richie Blackmore yeah. story. What do you uh, think of the next track called Bloodsucker? B L O O D, by the way, not B L U D. Yes, that's on a different album. Exactly. Uh, Bloodsucker is my favorite song on the album. You know, Ian. What's that? That song was. My favorite song on the album when I first got the album, and now nice. it's been replaced and it's my second favorite. Well, it, it, it's it's neck and neck now with another one, but I got to give Bloodsucker just a little nod. Uh, great groove, and uh, what I love about this song, and and you can get this out of a lot of Deep Purple songs because they were such incredible musicians. Is it's like it's <coughs> excuse me. It's like they're all soloists coming together on one track. You know, everybody is stand out on this. Yes. And uh, you, you know, you hear, you know, you know the bass of Roger Glover. You hear Ian's paces, drums so good. You know, and Richie and uh, you know Ian and uh, who am I leaving out? Oh, uh, John Lord. Um, just everybody is firing on all cylinders. And makes for this one incredible track, and 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 this is why I I say you can make the case that this is heavy metal, you know, because Bloodsucker is just as heavy as Sabbath, but just as musical as Led Zeppelin. I I, I mean, they really kind of are a bridge between the two bands. They have, they do have the heaviness of Sabbath, but they also have the musicality of Led Zeppelin. Um, 
you know, so it is a total uh, a total bridge there. I, I think if anything, what separates them is, is maybe they're a little bit more progressive, a little bit more jam band oriented than either, you know, Sabbath or Zeppelin. Studio-wise. Yes. Back in the 70s, they were all jam bands when you went to go see them live. Jesus, right. especially Sabbath. Holy fuck, did they go off live. But go ahead. Uh, but, uh... Nah, you know what? I take that back. I think Deep Purple is the most jammed live band ever. Oh, oh From yeah. those three. From those three. Well, I mean, I mean, Zeppelin would have a few songs. Yeah, that no, no, I think Zeppelin... No, come on, dude. No Quarter and fucking... Uh, it's very prolonged, and especially Days and Confused can go on for like 30 minutes. Oh, oh yeah, but I, but I mean... Uh, where Zeppelin would have like one or two like that, you know, half of Deep Purple's. I mean, you go see Deep Purple's set, a full set, and it'd be like five fucking songs. That is true. Did you know? <laughs> did you know that they covered this? Not a lot of people know this. They Deep Purple one time covered that song from SOD, "Fuck the Middle East," forty-eight <laughs> minutes long. True story. Yep. SOD's version, thirty seconds. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but uh, this this is just something that's like so heavy, and so uh, what I love about English hard rock, they they nail it here. Uh, everybody firing all cylinders. My favorite track. What do you? Well, and then uh, you know one thing you brought up. They did re-record it for the second Steve Morris album, Abandoned. Great album. And, and, yeah, yeah, great great album. But uh, even though it's not a horrible version of this, uh, you, you can't touch the rawness. It's of, kind of, of pointless, too. You, yeah, you gotta yeah. Admit, it, it's like, don't do not do that, please. Yeah, it, it, it's not that it was bad, but it's just like, there's no way you can recapture that. And that's, I hate when pretty much all bands do that. You know, yes. like when, when uh, Twisted Sister redid Stay Hungry, like... Oh, we didn't like the production. We'll show you how it should have sounded. Well, I don't know. It sounded better to me before. I got to say, what you were saying earlier about the, uh, Ian Gillen and his lyrics. I love, I mean, love the lyrics of this song. And may I recite the first verse, Ian? Yes. Thank you. Got a black-breasted Chinese eyes. Got an English brain that's going to make me wise. Okay, that line sucked. But the rest is good. Check it out. Got a long story that I want to tell to a rhythm that I know so well. Really got a lot of love in that I want to give. Baby, I'm a mystery, but you know I gotta live. I tried another, but she didn't want to know. Oh, no, no, no. All right, it's not brilliant, but come on. You gotta admit, it's better than fucking speaking. Oh, yeah, and the way he sings it, though. That's the, way the attitude oh. he has on that. Oh, dude, he, he sells, I mean, like, like I said, it's very abstract, but, man, the way he sells it sometimes, he couldn't be going yabba-dabba-doo, but with that voice. Yes. It's like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. And that's another thing. Ian Gillen's voice is a freak of nature back then, you know? Yes. I got to tell you this, though. Ian Gillen's voice is shot, but the very last time I saw Ian Gillen, it was not the Ian Gillen of before, but... You know what, man? He's gotten a little better. He's gotten a little better. And if you want to see proof, go on YouTube and look at the Vieira Vault channel where I filmed him doing Into the Fire from this album. And he, he does a damn well job. Anyway, Bloodsucker, 
Uh, and I, I know I explained this on last week's episode somewhat. The next album has a song called No, No, No. And, uh, like, if there was some guy that didn't know much about Deep Purple and they heard Bloodsucker, they'd probably buy Fireball thinking that's the song. No, no, no. Because, you know, there's nowhere in the song it says Bloodsucker. But right. he does scream no, no, no. And it's weird how this, this, this song's not called No, No, No. Or it's even more weird how the next album would have a song called No, No, No. It's, I don't know. I right. find it kind of odd. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, why, don't, why don't you take Child in Time? Child in Time, my all-time favorite Deep Purple song, and probably in my top ten of greatest Deep Purple songs ever. Uh, and I've seen him many times afterwards with Steve Morris, but I never, I only saw him once with uh, Richie Blackmore. And uh, well, okay, going into this song, the way it starts, the beautiful little you know keyboardy thing. Again, I love the lyrics. It's very of the time. I don't know what it means, but I do get... Uh, it really does... It, to me, Child in Time sounds like a timepiece that has... And I know for you it's different, but for me it's aged so tremendously well. But back then, I mean, with the Vietnam War, it really doesn't describe war or anything, but it does sound like a, a song that would fit great on a soundtrack of a movie with, with war in it, you know? A Vietnam War. Right. Um, the the beautiful melodic vocals from um, Ian Gillen and the little I know I sounded a little better than Gillen. Just, <laughs> just think of what I just did, but a little less good. Ian Gillen does it so well. And then the screams where oh my god, when he hits the highest scream, Dude, is there anybody that's hit a scream like that ever? Seriously, it's just bizarre how fucking insane he hits a scream. And you know, I'm telling you, man, I only saw them play this live once on the Perfect Stranger Store. And I swear to you, that night, Gillen did it, dude. He hit those highest screams, he did it. And I think that's why a combination of doing that shit and the Born Again tour is really contributed to his voice kind of like hurting after a while. Um, then it goes into like, you know, the high screams and then it goes into this jam with Blackmore and the whole band. Ian Pace fucking bashing the shit out of the drums. Ex criminally underrated drummer right there. Oh my God. Oh God, yes. Uh, now, this is one I used to fucking hate and I don't know what it was. I think, uh, you know, I think I said this in our failed attempt to review the album. You did. Uh, I listened to it. I heard exactly what you said. W when I was younger, I hated longer songs and I hated, uh, you know, jam band type shit. Now I love it. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, I know you hate the Grateful Dead, but I like the Grateful Dead. I like some other jam. I have the patience for it now and I'm, I have more respect for the musicality. Uh, you know, as long as it doesn't get boring. Uh, and this song used to bore the shit out of me, but now it doesn't. And I was just listening to it uh, just last night. I was going through because I have probably like 40 fucking Deep Purple bootlegs. And I was going through them and like, okay, this sound quality, I'll never listen to this again, so I'm going to delete it. This one's really good, so I'm going to keep it. Uh, but I was just listening to all these different versions of uh, Child and Time. And now it just all makes sense. And it was so good. And like where the screams used to bother me too. Wow, really? I love that part. 
Yeah, yeah. It took me a while to get into Gillen, you know, the, that aspect of him. Really? And even that's what turned me off onto certain songs on Born Again. Wow. When I, when, when I initially, but, but this is when I was younger, though. Oh, you know? so I, Born Again you grew to like. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at first, there, there, I, I liked the, the darkness and the evilness, but some of his vocals, I was like, eh, but you gotta, you know, what, we did this many times. When I came in, it was all like hooky, catchy choruses. You know, it was the cock rock era. It was all sing-along, happy stuff. And, you know, stuff like that took me time to get used to. Like I told you, I, you know, I, I, I couldn't get into King Diamond. I couldn't get into Overkill. You know, now I love that shit. To me, if somebody didn't have like a like a golden throat, uh, even though Gillen does, but I mean, doing something that different, uh, it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. But now it's like, fuck. You know, it, it's so amazing. And I read different stuff while I was, you know, doing my notes. I Some people said this was, uh, you know, against the Vietnam War. Other stuff said it was it was more about the Cold War between you know like a nuclear thing between us and Russia, uh, and, and I still can't tell you what it means, you know. But uh, just musically, it, it all makes sense, and the beautiful interplay between not only the vocals but John Lord's keyboards and and Richie's playing, and John Lord. I mean, how many bands, you know, does the keyboard player? play this much of a you know you know a main role in the band i mean to me i can only think of like uh you know the doors or ever like in palmer or uh typo negative van hagar <laughs> I, I was using good examples but uh you know where, where it's that prominent and uh and, and good i guess that's what separates it from van hagar um but uh just, just amazing, and now it's like it's one of those, like I listen to it, and and, and I want to kick my own ass. Like, why, why didn't I get this? You know, why did it take me so long to appreciate this? Because I think of all the years I could have been jamming out on this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, and now I absolutely love it and appreciate it. And this is the one that's tied with me, uh, you know, with with Bloodsuckers, my favorite track, and. Even though I, I understand that Chatham Time is the more epic track, there's just something about Bloodsucker that, you know, that's like the Black Sabbath in me. You know, it's just, it's got that, like, that dirt and that grit. And coming um, up on this album, there's even more of a Sabbath-y song. And, and need I remind you, this album was recorded in 1969. They weren't aware of Black Sabbath yet. Right, right. Um, but, uh... But I, I think that's the only thing that gives Bloodsucker just, you know, that little cut hair uh, nodge above this. But, uh, man, I, I love Child of Time. I can't get enough of it now. And I, I totally understand why it was, you know, such an epic track. They don't play it anymore because, you know, Gillen can't do it anymore. Um, this song was another ripoff. Um, uh, according to Ian Gillen. Uh, John, oh, yeah. John Lord at the time that this shit was being recorded, he was listening to a band called It's a Beautiful Day a lot. Yes, yes. And, yeah, and, I totally forgot about this. And I haven't heard this song, so I can't tell you how, this, how close they are. The song, uh, the song's called Bombay Calling. Exactly. Have you heard the song? No, no, okay. I haven't. 
All right, well, supposedly it's uh, very much um, a ripoff that they use on Child in Time. And what's funny about that is that band, It's a Beautiful Day, later recorded a song called Don and Dewey where they blatantly ripped off Ring That Neck from Deep right. Purple. Yep, which is, which yep. is pretty cool. I just wanted to bring that little part up. Yeah, that is. They, uh, I forgot that. I'm yeah, going. but uh, yeah, and my favorite. I don't know if I mentioned, but it is my favorite song on the album, and I think it's like one of the greatest songs ever recorded. Period. You know, um, it's, Our- it's such a great. I mean, it, and it's also a band. It's also a, a song that not only shows you the skills of the musicians in the band, but shows you also the skills of their songwriting now you can get your fucking dream theaters and all this shit which by the way dream theater has written a lot of amazing songs but i'm saying a lot of their songs is fucking wankery you you know what you know what i need to listen to i have it but i haven't listened to it i have a bunch of uh dream theater albums that uh mork uh, mork (laughs) mork mork portnoy uh mike released on his own uh label uh where Dream Theater covers albums in their entirety. I to, I can tell you two albums I heard and I really liked it. Uh, Which Master, ones have you heard? Master of Puppets and Dark Side yes. of the Moon. Yes, they also do Number of the Beast. Yes, I heard that one as well, yes. And they do Made in Japan. Yes, I don't think I've heard it, but I am aware of that one. And I have, well, I can have Mr. X send it to you. But yes, uh, uh, it makes me want to listen to it now. You know, uh, to see what they do with it. Which, again, uh, I, I have to bring this up, and we're not getting off the subject for a change. Made in Japan is a phenomenal, phenomenal live album. Yes. And, and that's another one. At first, uh, it, it, it bored me, and I just listened to it last night, as a matter of fact. Love it. Love it. Love and, it. And now I get it, you know. And but you, have, you have that expanded version with the different shows. Oh, oh yeah! I've got I've got the six disc version. With, yes, with, with all the complete shows. Yeah. Exactly. Now, the story behind that is that they knew they were being recorded, so they didn't like the way it sounded because they were a little stiff, knowing they're being recorded. But where the actual album we heard was like night three or something, where they're a little yeah. more comfortable and loose, and that's the one they released. But listening and and I consciously listened to that the versions they didn't like because they were so stiff. I don't hear it, man. I hear a band on fire, and they don't right. sound stiff to me. You know, it wasn't, you know, and I don't, I don't hear it looser, but whatever. I'm happy with the end product, but right. oh my God, that 66 version is so much a recommendation. Well, sh- should I go into Flight of the Rat, or should we talk about the Little River Band? No, Little River Band should come up during Into the Fire. All right. Well, in that case, I'm going to go into Flight of the Rat. Yes, sir. Uh, never played live. Yes. Only song on the album never played live. That's right. Uh, uh, Queen has ripped this song off about a gazillion times. I, I believe. When, when I heard this, I was like, oh, my God. I've heard Brian May do this riff in, in so many Queen songs. And uh, it never sounded as good as this. And not to slam Brian May, I respect Brian May, but uh, but oh, he totally ripped this shit off. Uh, what I love about this too is there's a great triple solo in this. You know, you get you get the solo from uh, from John Lord, you get the solo from Ian Pace, and you get the solo from Richie Blackmore. 
and uh, it, it, just for that, I, I mean, it, it isn't my favorite track, but what I love is each one of those solos is worthy, you know, and a lot of times you'll hear a solo like, oh, this is self-indulgent, you know, this is feeding somebody's ego. No, on this song, all three of them are essential to the song, and they all stand up. Love it. Great track. What do you think? Um, I'll, I'll give you my top three songs on the album. Child in Time, Bloodsucker, and Flight of the Rat. Um, okay. Flight of the Rat, and I didn't find out till many years later that it was never played live, but um, I love the fact it, it it's so long, but it keeps me interested. It doesn't bore me. It's one of those jammy songs that it's I'm, well, dude. There's no song on this album that I that I don't like. I just love every song. But here's a song that it's so long and so jammy, and what a great, great, great opening riff from Mr. Blackmore. It's just, yeah. just a great riff to take you through. Oh my god. And the, and then the fucking drums and the, the keyboard and the bass holding it down. Oh my god, man. This fucking, oh my god, look. I may be feeling a little buzzed on wine, but just thinking about this song just doubled my buzz and you know what Ian I'm not I'm not gonna throw up don't worry okay but I want to get a little uh, philosophical for a second oh boy no well, I'm drunk I'm, I'm feeling it okay all right but you know what we don't know what happens when we die I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks the Bible whatever uh, Houdini the great Houdini, the magician guy, told his wife, if I ever die, I want you to go to like psychics and shit, and these are the words I want, I want to tell you from beyond the dead. Right. And I'm going to tell you these words, and then you'll know I'm communicating with you. And you know that Houdini's wife went to so many fucking psychics, and you know, the people that talk to the dead, none of them told her those words. Which you kind know of... Go ahead. You, you know you know what he told her, though? Yes. Van Halen should not uh, hire Sammy Hagar. Yes. Well, well, that was the first part. And that's what sucks about it is that she didn't get to live long enough to say this to Edward. Yes. But th that that's that's what he told her, but he said it in Latin. And in Latin, it's Untergleben Glauben Globen. That, oh, I did not know that. Yes, know that, that means... Under no circumstances, hire Sammy Hagar. It will yes. it will ruin your band. Also, Unta Glieben Glauben Globen. Also, there in Latin it means do not hire Sammy Hagar and Van Halen. But do you know what it means in actual Portuguese, which is a different type of Latin? You know what it's, it means? It, plata. No. I mean, you're close though. You're very close. It means our next album is gonna suck hard. That was, you know, because it's off of Def Leppard album. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah cool, man. Hey, uh, Ian. Yes, sir. I am so drunk. I'm getting so drunk now that I am smoking a cigarette. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Listen, listen. You're not smoking. Stop that. I'm not going to smoke anymore, dude. Don't worry about it, bro. 
Are I, you seriously? Are you seriously smoking a fucking cigarette? I am totally. What the fuck, dude? Hey, hey I'm, Ian, I'm not gonna smoke after this, okay? This is what happened. Another part of the story that I did not bring up of the my blackout. Oh. I had a pack of cigarettes in my in my pocket. Oh I, no. Yeah. I'm telling you, I, I don't like this wine shit. First of all, wine is for women. Second of all, it, it's it's leading to you smoking. And yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind if you get an e-cigarette, but don't don't smoke a real let, cigarette. Let me tell you something. You know what's wine is, is? You know what's even worse than wine? Than wine is for women. Wine is also for those little fucking douchebags on unpopular metal opinion because that's all they do there is wine. <laughs> oh God! You know, you know exactly. It, 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 sorry to call you out again, Hunter, but uh, Hunter put up on uh, on unpopular metal opinions. I forget what he said. Owned uh, Child in Time, and I think it was like you know something to believe in by Poison or something. It was, uh, but he he really trashed uh, Child in Time. My God! Yeah, he did he uh, really. Yeah, it was. I can't remember. It was another Deep Purple song, and then part of me has got to say, "Hey, asshole!" You know, it took you a long time to appreciate, uh, you know, Child in Time, so you can't be too hard on the guy. But wow. when I saw it, I was like, "Ah, oh, oh. But I, I believe I believe Hunter is a young man. I I, th I think you have to be because to whine that much, you have to be a young man. I don't know too many old men who whine uh, like they do on unpopular metal opinions well come on dude they don't get pussy you got to give them that hey but you know look i want to say this about hunter because uh in the last episode you know when i was editing it you know because the, the beauty of taping our shows i got to hear what my blackout version and oh i also want to bring up the fact that there were certain portions of the show before i blacked out that i don't remember saying certain things i'm like damn like when i talked about um Oh, I forgot. Well, whatever. There was a part I was like, oh, boy, what the fuck am I talking about there? Because there were, I think there were like little segments of blackouts before I got to the main blackout. You know, there was like that little fucking demonic guy went, I'm taking over now. Blah, blah, blah. And then I went down and then I'm like, yeah, uh, Ian, you roll. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but um, uh, Hunter, like I said in that episode, I said, what fucking asshole added me to this page? And then you said... It, it could have been Hunter, and then I, then I went back and thought, well, he ain't a fucking asshole. He's all right with me, but that's not cool. Um, right. Well, I, I'm just saying that because Hunter's the same guy who added me. Yeah. And, he, and, oh, and the funny thing is, he he wrote me a, uh, uh, he wrote me a message the other uh, the other day, asking me uh, there there there's a punk group uh, started by a, a couple of people on our fan page, and. Uh, it was started by this dude, Jose, a dude from Chicago. I think his name's Jose. Uh, who He's more into punk, but he loves our show. But anyway, he started his own page. And then Hunter asked me, he goes, did you leave this page or did you get kicked off? And then I kind of get like, you know, one of those drunken moments where you hear the Jeopardy music in the background. <laughs> you're trying to... <laughs> exactly. And I, I, I think what happened is I think I fucking was on there one night drunk as shit on the weekend. And I was like, you know, fuck all you Blink-182 mall punk fucking nerd. I'm like, you don't know real fucking punk. Fuck you guy, you know, you know, fuck you Green Day fucking fags. You know, you don't know fucking, you know, Dead Kennedys. You don't know, you know, real shit. 
And uh, fear. Make, yeah, fear. Oh, I love. I you. love living in the living city. In the city. Thank you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Which, by the way, like Ian, if you want, I'll send it to you. You have to see Decline of West Oh, I, I got the I got the first one. Okay. They dude, like Megadeth did in part one, they didn't I mean part two, they did in part one. Cause they are the last band and they like because the thing is, you know, and I know we, we discussed uh Decline uh, of Western Civilization and you before you saw part one, you even said to me, I think Penelope Spears was just goofing on metal. Where right. no, she goofed on punk too in like she really painted those assholes like fucking assholes, but she ended it with fear, where fear was the real deal. And back then, Megadeth was the real deal. Did, did, I, did I tell you on that episode about meeting Lee Ving? No, you didn't. Or if you did, uh, I don't remember. Go ahead, uh, tell you, me. Yeah, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a SoCal, as they call it, Southern California punk show that happened here in New Orleans, and it was like Agent Orange. And, and fear. Oh my God! You saw fear. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. And, and, and somebody else. I, I forget. An, an, another really good Southern uh, California punk band. Now keep in mind, a lot of these bands have like one or two original members. But uh, no, I, I was outside smoking a cigarette, and leaving pulled up in a fucking uh, U-Haul, and I helped him carry his merch inside. <laughs> nice. He, 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 he got out of the U-Haul, and, and I mean, he, it was, you know, that DIY, you know, do-it-yourself attitude. Dude, he pulled up in the U-Haul with the band, and they had they had their merch in cardboard boxes. And I met I was I was like, Lee, I'm like, it's so awesome to meet you. He's like, he's like oh, cool, man. He's like, thank you for coming to the show. He's like, I got to get these shirts in here. I'm like, dude, can I give you a hand? He goes, oh, that'd be amazing. And I helped him carry his merch into the venue. That's amazing. You know, uh, that's a similar story when Raven played a bowling alley over here. They actually played a bowling alley, kind of sad, but I helped them also bring in their gear. Yeah. I, I did that. Uh, I saw Jimmy Bauer from Down and uh, and uh, I Hate God and Super Joint Ritual. I helped him load up his gear one night. Drunk as shit, but you know what he did? He, uh, uh, I asked him to sign a drum head for my son, and he, and he did it. Oh, your son, the hero. Yes. Yes. He signed uh, a drum head for my son. I gotta say, and uh, as far as loading in gear, boy, I, I, I loved, I was like, oh my God, I'm loading in gear for Raven, this is amazing. But you know what really pisses me off? When I load in gear for Thrash or Die. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm the fucking singer, what the fuck's up with this shit? Yeah, fuck that. You're you're the fucking co-host of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. On top of that, dude. I, the, I know. You should be sitting there with a smoking jacket. Exactly, what? and dude, and also, I had this girl's pussy in my face while her mom was sucking my cock. Any anybody who's in Thrash or Die now is like somebody who joined White Snake in in 2005, saying, "Oh, I'm from White Snake." <laughs> no, 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 no. That I will I will have to look. I will have to say this. I, I gotta, I'm kidding. No, I I'm know you're kidding. kidding. I, you're you're a jokester. I know you. But here's what I gotta say about Thrash or Die now. I wish. I wish this was the original lineup because I love my band so much now that, and I'm saying this right now on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, I've said this on Facebook, any member of the band leaves now, I'm fucking breaking up the band because there's no way I can go on without Josh Mosh on bass, Ryan Knight, Nightcrawler Taylor on guitar, and fucking Alex Thunderhammer Marquez, the greatest drummer known to man. And if you think, oh, 
It's Ralph's favorite drummer because it's in this band. No, asshole. Richard Christie from Death and Ice Earth and Char Wars of Damn also cites Alex Marquez as his favorite drummer. Thank you. I got some news. As I am speaking right now, Alex Marquez is in the studio laying down drums for the new Solstice album. Solstice album not release an album forever with Ryan Taylor on vocals. Now, let me tell you something about that. I told Alex, Alex, since you're recording drums, do me a favor, record drums for Snowblind, the Ace Fraley song, Young and Wasted Kiss, and Calling Dr. Love. Record those drums, and I'm going in, I'm gonna lay vocals. So Dr. Fuck, and it's gonna be like a Dr. Fuck thing. It's gonna be Dr. Fuck, and of course, I'm gonna alter the lyrics to Calling Dr. Love to Calling Dr. Fuck, of course. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, pertaining to, you know, the previous episode, when I was all worried about you, I text the great uh, Alex Marquez. He told me, by the way. Yeah, yeah, he, he answered me back. He says, he says, I call him, bro. Keeps going to message, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I thanked him for checking on you and answering me back. And he also texted me saying, please call me. So, and, and I appreciate that, Ian. I and, appreciate how worried you were for me. Well, I I, I, well, I love you, brother. No, and I also understand, dude, because really, anybody that didn't listen to last week's episode, dude, the end of the show, man, I mean, I listened to it and I'm like, oh my God, listen to me. I'm so happy I'm still alive, especially after what I did after that, you know? And I really do have to look after myself. You know what it is, Ian? Here's Here's the problem. I'm living a life that I have to stop everything. Oh, I had to stop everything because of health issues. And I have been so good, so good that I've, that I've gotten to the point where the doctor told me at one point you can never drink for the rest of your life too. Hey, it's okay if you have like, you know, a drink here and there. And if I was to ask you uh, what you should drink, um, red wine, because it's good for your heart. And I was like, okay. And then... I didn't do that. I didn't drink wine. I didn't do it. But when my band came back from Europe and Josh brought me a bottle of wine from Europe and I drank it, I was like, why the fuck have I not been drinking wine? Because when I was a teenager, I remember drinking Boone's Farm and all that shit and I hated it. So I never drank wine ever since. Now I'm like a big wino. And yeah, maybe I'm a chick and whatever the hell, Ian. And I'm not like a man, like a rolling rock man. And I understand, dude, you are more seasoned even though I drank even way before you ever picked up a beer. Because believe me, I drank before you were born. I know you had beer, you know, when you came out of the womb. But my point is, is that I've never been like, you know, I just love getting drunk. And I had a, a, a vodka problem for a little while there. But I've never really had any other issues. And now with the wine... Um, I'm really enjoying life again to the point where I'm enjoying um, altered uh, feelings. What, what do you want to call it? You know, it's just a buzz, whatever the fuck, you know? There you go. And, uh, you know, since I can't do cocaine or smoke weed or do any illegal drugs. Oh, I mean, damn. Can I get some kind of fucking, you know, buzz in my life? And, and I only, and look, man, I don't have a problem because I only drink once a week. If I had a problem, I would drink, well, obviously every day. Because I don't, right. you know, Ian Wadley, as much as a lush and alcoholic he is, he doesn't drink every day. Oh, no. As a matter of fact, uh, 
I usually just drink on Saturdays. There you go. Now we gotta flip the album over, am I right? No, we already flipped it over. Alright. Oh, Did what? You... Flight of the Rat is track one, right? From... Yeah, that's track one on side right. two. You are now, now it's Into the Fire, not to be confused with the docking song Into the Fire or the Brian Adams album Into the Fire. Yes, or, exactly. or, or Greg Barnes that's always in the fire. Can you flip? <laughs> yeah. And, or, but not out of the closet, but into the fire. Yes, exactly. Uh, I I would love it, Ian, if you took this one. Okay. Um, this this one was a staple, you know, in the concerts for for the Mach Two lineup. This is something you always heard and had. Uh, you know, well, had maybe kinda, in the seventies. Well, well, yeah, but I but I mean in this era of the band, this yes. was always okay. played live. And it kind of sounds a little bit similar to uh, 21st Century Schizoid Man by uh, King Crimson. You are correct. That's uh, I didn't think of that, but you, you are correct. Yeah, and... Uh, Was that out first, by the way? Yes, that, okay. that came out before this. I, I had that, that album. Right. That was like six, 68, 69, I think. What a great song. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, you said 69. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, I, I love this one. It, it's another rocker. Uh, the only thing I'll, I'll say to this is it kind of sounds uh, similar. I think there's a lot of songs on this that kind of um, sound the same, where on the other albums there's a little bit more diversity, especially on Fireball. Because like you said earlier, Fireball's all over the map. Yes. Some, sometimes for good results and sometimes for not so good results. But I, I, I think t to me... Uh, by the time you get to Into the Fire, it's I'm not hating on the song. I'm just saying it kind of, while the album has a flow, I would have liked a little bit more diversity. But this is a good song, and if you listen to the live versions, uh, you, you can see why they played it, you know. Uh, it's just, you know, personally, if I saw them live, I'd rather hear Fly to the Rat, but that's taking nothing away from uh, Into the Fire. I, th I think it's a good song. I just, at this point in the album, I would have liked uh, a different flavor. What do you think, Ralph? I adore this song. And and I guess it has a lot to do with... I didn't think of 20th Century uh, Greensleeve. Oh, I didn't think... Uh, Schizoid Man. But I think the reason why I love Into the Fire so much because it does have that Sabbath-y, doomy feel. I didn't think of King Crimson, but you're right. You are right. I didn't think of it that way. But it is kind of doomy. For Deep Purple, especially. And it's right. so heavy. Like, it's so, just so grinding and heavy that I think it fits perfectly on In Rock with what we just heard. The heaviness and the, you know, the the thematic, is that a word, of, of this fucking uh, album. That this part, is this is the part where it's kind of like, let's slow it down, but let's slow it down to a much like a heavy, heavy grind. You hear shit like, I hate God, and you know, like winter, and you know, the doomy shit. Dude, this is this is kind of like the 1970 version of that shit. You know, and oh my God, and, the, and when he screams like, into the fire! Again, picture, picture it a little less perfect as what I just did. Ian Gillen does that. Last time I saw Deep Purple on the incredible 
Oh fuck. Who, uh, what the hell is it called? Who cares? No, not who not, cares. Now what? Now what? Oh, I saw that tour. And they brought this back into the cellars. And I filmed it, and it's on YouTube. Listen to Ian Gillen. Of course it's not Ian Gillen in rock era, but you know what? Ian Gillen's voice has improved, and he does it. He does it great. Great. And I love Into the Fire. I would have to say it's right under um, um, Flight of the Rat. It's probably my fourth favorite one on here. Uh, I like it more than Speed King. I, I think it's a phenomenal great heavy grinding tune and very i don't know just like you know not your typical deep purple either because deep purple is not really known for songs like this they're more a little more up tempo than shit like this and uh, and it, it's kind of like an, an ano anomaly is that the right word for me saying a song that doesn't really fit their structure of songwriting sure okay there you go um it's an anomaly, but it works. And it's perfect. I think it fits perfectly. It's that that puzzle piece that just fits perfectly into the slot that is in rock. And uh, before we keep going into this album, and I'm not getting off the subject, but I would also like to, and I want, would like your opinion as well, Ian. Sure. I really love, and I would have to say, I'd have to think about this, other than the self-title album, Deep Purple, um, this is my favorite album cover from Deep Purple. The Mount Rushmore thing. I think it's just so fucking cool and iconic looking. What do you think? Right. I, I, no, I, I do love the cover. I, I think it's iconic. Uh, one thing that I really hated about it is this one and Machine Head. Uh, on the last couple Deep Purple tours, they sold without Richie Blackmore's face on it. That's bullshit. Are you serious? Oh, you didn't know about this? No, I didn't, and I don't like that at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there was an in-rock shirt that took away Richie Blackmore's face. Did they put Steve Morse in it? No, 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 okay, no. Okay, no. all, right, all right, all right, all right. They, they, they just kind of squeezed it in, and, you know, it was like somebody did it on their computer and, and, and did away with him. Uh, and they did the same thing with Machine Head. You know how, like, uh, yeah, how, how you saw the reflections in the tuning pegs and shit. Right, right. It, it did away with the Richie Blackmore thing, and that was the thing because because Blackmore was was suing them uh, for using his likeness. Uh, so I kind of see um, why they had to do it, but at the same time, it's a sacrilege. But it's like, you know, it's like I would never wear a Kiss shirt. Like, like, while I would go see Scab Kiss, like, I saw it for free, and it was a good show, but I would never buy a Scab Kiss shirt. You know, I just, I wouldn't wear that. And the same thing, like, I love Deep Purple, but I wouldn't wear a shirt that was modified. I would be ashamed uh, to wear that shirt. Yeah. I would be yeah. fucking ashamed. Yeah, but like I said, I, one thing I know, like, Deep Purple's trying to sell shirts and make a living, but to me, th those album covers and that imagery is so iconic. Uh... If you can't do it, just don't use it. You know, you know, don't don't bastardize it. It's like buying a fucking Black Sabbath sabotage shirt without Bill Ward in those funky red pants. Exactly. That would be fucking horrible, man. I, you exactly. know what? I'm very upset yeah. to hear this. That'd be like if they they sold a version of that, but it had uh, Tommy Clitoris with uh, you know assless chaps exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. And Tommy Clitoris, by the way, is a great drummer. I just hate the fact that. 
and he should have played on 13 because what would have he done different than that commie did? Seriously. If, if, if anything, I think he could have done a better job. Probably. It, You're probably if, right. If, if you listen to, uh, you, you know, the live stuff they're doing right now, I would honestly say out of all the other Sabbath drummers that have replaced Bill Ward, I think he comes closest to playing it how it should be played. Yeah, I uh, saw the 13 tour, and you know what? And, and I, I, I love Vinny Apice, but Vinny Apice sounds nothing like Bill Ward. You're right, you're right. Tommy you know, is closer. Even when, even when he plays the old shit, uh, and Bev Bevan did, you know, and uh, and Cozy Powell did, and, you know, and uh, Bobby Rondinelli did. Uh, but I, I think when he plays the songs, he does justice to it. It's just we're all mad because we want... You know, Bill there, but I think he's the most faithful to like, hey, I'm gonna play it like you want to hear it. You know what, Ian? I never thought of that, and you are a hundred percent right. Um, and I think I've been a little tough on the situation because, well, cause, well, with reason. Because number one, I don't care; it should be Bill Ward, regardless. Right. But also, dude, they didn't even use this guy in the fucking album. They used a guy that's like in a band that I hate and uh, I mean he could be a good guy and all I don't know maybe he's not a comedy but he's in a comedy band and right. but then we have this guy that you know I saw the screen tour and he's a phenomenal drummer and when I saw uh, Black Salad 13 they played Rat Salad and he that's when he did his drum solo and he's great he's really right. fucking great there's Scott Green calling me um, boy everybody's calling me today but anyway so here's my point um uh, you're right, dude. You are right, and it's a fucking shame. You know, Ozzy Osbourne later came out and said, yeah, "It's fucked up. We should have used Tommy on the album." Yeah, I. But I, I think that was. Uh, I think that was Tony that put the Ixnay on that. No, uh, I believe it was uh, Rick Rubin. Uh, Rick, Rick Rubin was the one that wanted Brad oh, Wilkes yeah. on the album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, not, yeah, now that because I know he wanted Ginger Baker to play on them, and I think that could have been interesting. And I uh, hate, you know, I, I heard it the other day. I had to, I, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna listen to 13 the other day, and I made it to the third song, the the Planet Caravan, uh, uh, fucking ripoff that I can't pronounce it. I think it's Zellwigger, whatever. Yeah, the fuck yeah, it, yeah, Renee Zellwigger. Zellgeist, whatever. It's yeah, yes. so, it just pisses me off. How you're gonna really do something that's just mimicking a song you did in the past? Yeah, but but I mean the, the thing about thirteen is is uh, I I blame everybody because I I think Tommy uh I, I Tommy I think Tony came with weak riffs uh I I, I think the lyrics I, I I think everybody deserves equal responsibility for well, that what it was some riffs I really dug on the album when he wasn't trying to repeat himself like Loser is N.I.B. Uh, the right. first two songs is like the first two songs rip off one song Black Sabbath but you but, know what I I, I I I thought Tony I thought the well ran dry on on Devil You Know I think half of that was subpar yeah you see there me you and know, you disagree because I think that's a great I, album but it took I, me a I, while I th to get uh, into it I, I I think you want to hear a better Tony Iommi than than that the Iommi solo album. And, and, well, you know what I think's even better than the solo album? What, the, the, the Glenn Hughes shit? 
Fused. Yeah. But Fused I, I, is I, a phenomenal I, I, album. I'll tell you what, that, that I Owe Me solo album with all the different singers. Yeah, it's a great album. Oh, I, I, I think it's... Even people that I don't like... Like, I absolutely love um, the, the song he did with Billy Corgan. And I'm not this big Smash of Pumpkins guy. Right. But musically, I thought it was fucking awesome. I mean, it's... It, but, but to me, it's like, you know, has the well finally run dry for Tony Iommi? Uh, you know, he always says, oh, I can come up with all these riffs. But that Iommi record was the last one. I think the Hughes one... I don't know if it was before that or not. I think... I'm not sure, but uh, to me, that's the last time he sounded inspired. Because Fuse was before, by the way. Okay, I don't think he sounded inspired on uh, the Devil You Know, and definitely not on Thirteen. Okay. And uh, and, and and then I also know that uh, you know Tony is the one that's really anti-drummer. You know, for whatever reason, he is anti-drummer, and I don't get that. You know. So let's 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 be thankful. Ian Pace was never in Black Sabbath. Yeah. Because he had right. pace. We, we oh gotta knock God. out these last two songs because my lady's about ready to kill me. Alright, go for it, dude. Alright, now we are on uh what's probably my third favorite song on the album. Uh Living Wreck. Ooh. I fucking love this song. And to me, uh, it's cause this song sticks out. It's got like this sexy fucking groove to it. And it makes sense because the song is about an affair that, you know, doesn't turn out to be all that well. But it's about, you know, an affair. It's about people fucking. And I get that from the music. And uh, and, I, and I love how, you know, where like the last couple songs, you know, my complaint about Into the Fire is sounding too much like, you know, Speed King and, and uh, you know, uh, Flight of the Rat and stuff like that being too similar. This one's got a groove and a personality all its own. And absolutely love it. Third favorite song on the album, Kicks Ass. What do you think? I think this song is so phenomenal and so kick-ass. And again, I'll put this one, you know, like right under Into the Fire in my little thing. It's so kick-ass that it's so badass that it, you can overlook these lyrics. You ready for these lyrics? Kick it. You came along for a weekend, but you only stayed for one night. You took off your hair, you pulled out your teeth. Oh, I almost died of fright. <laughs> Is that fucked up or what? It's like, God damn, even I can do better than that. But, Is uh, that really what he said or is that what happened to you Friday night? No, actually. <laughs> no, that's actually the lyrics, dude. I'm not lying. Oh, okay. You said you were a virgin full of promise and mystery, but I knew that you would bring me down because everyone calls you Big G. The fuck? Anyway, um, uh, but but other than that, like what I was saying earlier about Led Zeppelin, the songs are so good, you kind of like don't realize how bad the lyrics are. Right. And Living Wreck, Living Wreck is is uh, one of those because I was actually analyzing the lyrics to Deep Purple song, you know, um, and I, and even though I do think Robert Plant may slightly be worse than Gillen uh, as far as like the real bad shit, because Led Zeppelin, in my opinion, is a better band, not technically, but songwriting wise. Right. That I feel like the lyrics of it. But I love Living Wreck. It's fucking great. But, and just so you guys know, I love Ian Wadley very much. But the fact is, between him and me, 
I mean, I can stay here. I ain't got nobody fucking telling me to stop the show. But since uh, he's uh, whoosh, whipped, let's go to the next song. Yeah. All right. Uh, next song, Hard Loving Man. Yeah, um, that's what I am, baby. Uh, not bad, but my least favorite on the album. Mine as well, but it's a great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not hating it, but uh, my least favorite. And if I had my pick, I might have taken this off the album, put on Black Knight. Yeah. And and maybe had Child in Time and the album. Yeah. Either that yeah. either that or something either something like that or, or, or Fly to the Rat. Yes. Some, something to mix up the, the order. It, it's it's not a horrible song, but compared to the others, um it's just not a standout. And again, it's to me it's like with Into the Fire, Fly to the Rat, Bloodsucker and Speaking, it it's almost too similar. And it, it goes on like you know, it's a little over seven minutes, and to me, this is the only like longer song where I don't feel the necessity for it to be that long. Like this is one you could have trimmed. Where the other ones have such beautiful organic solos that just seem natural and and and, and serve the song. This one is kind of like, okay, you, you could have wound this up. You know, th- this song is like one of our reviews that just goes off everywhere for no reason, and. Uh, uh, n- not horrible by any means, but uh, definitely my least favorite. Well, I absolutely adore and love the fuck out of this song, but I still agree. It's my least favorite of all the songs. And the only reason I would say that because it does, it could have been shaved a little bit. There are right. certain portions of the song that is kind of unnecessary, I would have to admit. But at the same time, the unnecessariness of this song still keeps me interested and keeps me locked in to this album where I'm not going to fucking really bash it in any way because I love the fuck out of In Rock. I think it's the one Deep Purple album where, like I said earlier, it's my favorite Deep Purple album and it's the one where every song, and I can't say this about every Deep Purple album, you know, I mean, maybe, okay, maybe um, Machine Head. There's not really a song I hate on Machine Head. Though it does suffer the burnout factor with um, Smoke on the Bottom, where I will never, ever get sick of the Made in Japan version because the main thing I love about Smoke on the Water on Made in Japan is the ending of it where Richie and John Lord trade off. I love that. And it makes Smoke on the Water. And I remember as a kid, that song was played on the radio just as much as the studio version. Now I never hear it on the radio. But other right. than that, this is a song where I gotta say, yeah, it should have been shaved a little bit, but that's the only reason why I would put it at the very bottom of my favorite songs on the album. But it's still a phenomenal song, and it, and, and it's you know what? I agree with you, Ian. Take this off and and put Child in Time at the end and add Black Knight. Yes, okay. Uh, an album I feel like perfect could even been more perfect that way. So I totally 100% agree with you on that. But that right. brings an end to the greatest Deep Purple album, in my opinion. And, and, and I'll say, with, you know, because you, you say this is, is the, the best one. I would say, you know, and it's a, it's a tough call. I would have to say um, Machine Head, to me, is their best album. But it's so hard because... You know, the songs that are overplayed are so overplayed. Even to me, it's hard to listen to as an album because you just want to 
you know, for me, I want to skip it because I want to hear Lazy. I want to hear what's my favorite song now because of the overkill factor. Maybe I'm a Leo is is is, is my favorite song I'm I yet now. fucking love that song. That song was actually the first single from the album. And that band does not like that song. They made a video for it. I don't know if you're aware of that. I don't know if I've seen that. They, they actually played it uh, on a tour. Uh, I don't know if it was the Bananas tour or the uh, Rapture, the Deep tour. They brought it back. Interesting. I, list, I listened to the live version, and uh, I was I was really let down. But uh, uh, I, 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 maybe I'm a Leo. It was absolutely fantastic. But I, I think like if you look at an album... Machine Head is flawless, but man, it's like the overkill factor. It's like, I absolutely love Paranoid. But it's so hard for me to listen to Paranoid now because I really don't want to hear War Pigs again. I really don't want to yeah, hear... but you know, you know Turn I mean, I mean, over the album, bro. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're perfect songs. They're perfect songs, but it's, rock radio killed it for me. You're you know? I, I agree with you 100%, but I said... When it comes to Paranoid, dude, if I ever play that shit on vinyl, I go straight to side two. Because that right. doesn't suffer from burnout. Maybe Fairy Wear Boots a little bit, but dude, Electro Funeral, Hannah Doom, Rex Salad, come on. Bro. Oh yeah, I, I, I love, but I'm, I'm just saying, but, but you and me are both album guys. We like, yeah. hey, the first song to the end, but it's, it's some of those songs, even though they're so perfect and the way it makes the album flow, like Pink Floyd's a perfect example. Uh, to me, Pink Floyd is an album band. They're not a singles band to me, but there there are certain albums. It's like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, you know, radio has fucked it up for me because I shouldn't be sick of this song. It should fit in perfect, but it's just been jammed down your fucking throat so bad. Dark that's Side of the I, Moon is a great example of that. And you that that's a perfect example why you should not listen to terrestrial radio. You should only listen to the good doctor and myself <laughs> He's on thatmetalstation.com. That's right. Listen to uh, us, because we don't play that fucking, that fucking overplayed bullshit. But here's a disturbing fact. As amazing as this album is, it was released June 3rd, 1970. We're talking about four months after Black Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, pr produced by the band. Uh, this album has only gone gold. Uh, and, not only that, it's only gone gold in the US, UK, the Netherlands, France, and Argentina. Hmm. And, and you know, the US has the higher standard for gold than the other. Like, let, let's say Argentina, you only gotta sell 30,000 to go gold, where in the US you have to sell half a million to go gold. Right. Uh, uh, it really, it, this album. I mean, I mean, if you talk to music historians and, and, and metal historians, this album is so important. But not a lot of people know it, and and not a lot of people have bought it, and that's unfortunate for for an album that's well respected as this. You know, those are horrible numbers. Um, you know, I think it, it, in the U.S. on the U.S. charts, it only made it to a hundred and forty-three. Yeah, uh, but in the UK it did make it to number four, but in the US, yeah, one forty-three for an album as legendary as this. What a shame! Uh, it, it just shows you how Deep Purple overall has 
never got the respect it deserves. I mean, and, and you know, you know, everybody knows we hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you know, look how long it took them to get in. And really, if you're honest, the only reason they got in is because of Lars. You know, if it yeah. wasn't for, well, for Lars, yes, you're uh, right. You are right. They 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 never would have got in because nobody else gave a shit. You know, it was Lars bitching and crying. Uh, you know, and he. And Metallica does all these things for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like, they'll play these special concerts and stuff like that. And I think it's probably something where Lars threw his weight around and said, okay, you want you to play this concert, you put in Deep Purple. Because, yeah, I mean, say what you want about Lars, that motherfucker loves and respects Deep Purple more than any other band. So, uh, and, you know, and you know what? And, and I know you got to go, Ian, so I'm not going to prolong this. But in retrospect, now, as all the fucking smoke is cleared, Lars was right about Napster. No matter what anybody thinks, uh, we're, oh, yeah. Lars was right about oh, Napster yeah. back then. He was 100% right. And you know what's, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I, will, I will tap my glass for Lars on this. When people interview Lars and they bring up Napster, he always sidesteps and doesn't want to talk about it. Where he can clearly say, you motherfuckers, all bash me, but now look what's happening. He could easily say that, but he doesn't. He takes the right. high road. But yeah, I think because Lars is like, hey, dude, people know. But anyway, he, keep going. And he was right about uh, John Benet Ramsey. It was the brother. That's right. Yeah, you're right. He said that a long time ago and nobody listened. And he was right about Ufa, Goblin, Goblin, Goblin. <laughs> One more time for the people in the cheap seats. Ufa, Goblin, Goblin, Goblin. <laughs> Love it. Yes. Alrighty. Well, that was our very long and strange review of Deep Purple in Rock. Why isn't my and, glass uh, doing the ringing noise? Listen to this. Is that because I'm getting too drunk? Whatever. Hey, at least we ended this shit. I'll puke after the show. That's right. And uh, definitely there will be some more Deep Purple reviews in the future. This is only our second. You know uh, what I want to do next time, Ian? House of Blue Light. House of Blue Light because you love it and I don't. Uh, well, I, Fist of uh, Cuffs. I, I, I love some of it. I oh. think we should do Come Taste the Band. I love that album. I like that album a lot, though. Me too. All right. Let's do that one next. All right. Um, all right. Do you have a pick of the week, Ralph? I fucking do, dude. Do oh, believe wow. it? And remember last week when I was totally drunk, I picked, I picked something that wasn't metal. This right. week I picked something that that's not metal. Okay. And it's a phenomenal album that I've been playing a lot lately. A double album. Let's see uh, what year it came out. Cause I, I pulled it up on Wikipedia. It came out in 1973. Old. From Sir Elton John. Uh, I oh, think fuck. I know what this is. Then you say it for me. Are we talking about Goodbye Yellow Brick Road? You sure right, Skippy. Hey, yeah. Starting off with my favorite, all-time favorite Elton John song, Funeral for a Friend. Oh, my oh. God. Is that which, song phenomenal? Which Dream Theater does an amazing cover of. I believe I've heard it, yes. yes. Uh, Candle in the Wind, the title track. And, dude, to me, the deep track on the album that fucking rules that I love. All the girls love Alice. I love that song, but no, that's not the one. Gray Seal. Gray Seal, bro. Oh, I knew I'd get it eventually. <laughs> Gray Seal is such a great song. 
I listen to that song, I'm thinking, dude, this shit could have been a hit. And, and, and what I love is, on a double album, I hit it on the second song, so give me some cred. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, come on. Let's see if it can ring this time. Let's like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I stopped. Oh, hey, hold on. And I, I, I'll tell you what, um, I, I, man, I love that fucking album. Oh, shit, I um, cracked. I cracked the glass. Oh, shit. Fuck, that's why it's not ringing. But I, I'll tell you what, uh, the one still to this day I never get burned out on, ever. And every time I, I, I just I just hear that piano and it puts a smile on my face, is Benny and the Jets, dude. I never get tired of that. That, that was dun, what, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, dude, I love that shit. In 1973, I went to Ricky's Records, a record store that is still there. But they suck now. But anyway, I went there and I bought Benny and the Jetsons a 45 in 1973. Because I love that song so much. And uh, I love this album so much. I think, you know what, dude? I'm not a well-versed Elton John guy. I'm not. I own this. I only own this, and I own Brown Dirt Cowboy. That's the only two I own. We should do an Elton John review with uh, Greg Barnes. uh, Greg Barnes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This one. I would love to. Because I've been listening to this album a lot lately. Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm going to text him tonight and let him know about that. That would be awesome. Let's get into that. Oh, he he would love that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's my pick of the week. And... uh, I, I pulled up the Wikipedia page to talk about it, and I'm seeing here 30th anniversary has four bonus tracks that I never heard, so I'd like to hear that. Oh yeah, I, I've got the deluxe edition. You know what'd be awesome is we we should do that on a Friday night, so I can get drunk, you can get drunk, and Greg Barnes can like double dose on his AIDS medicine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Ian, Ian, seriously, man. I mean. It'd be great, and like you know, once a month we can do a Friday night. So that oh, way, yeah. that way, every other four, like once a month you can get to hear me drunk. Oh, I I, I love it too, and I love because uh, usually Fridays works out for uh, the great Chris Sinzak too, because he can get drunk. That's because because he doesn't he doesn't do decibel geek drunk, but when he comes on our show, he likes to get drunk. So that's why we always do his episodes on Friday nights. So. All right, that'd be great. Once once a month, talk to the old lady. Yeah. And, let's, and let's do it. I mean, dude, honestly, Ian, for the Rock and Roll Combat Podcast, I do it every Friday night. But I know you need old lady time. <laughs> but, but, you know, come on. Convince her once a month. To, you know, let, let's do it like 8 o'clock to, you know, 10 o'clock, whatever, or 11 o'clock. Just three hours once a month. So I can Fine. drink my wine and fucking do a podcast. Because let me tell you something. Right now, man... I feel fucking amazing because I am actually, this is the second time I got drunk on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, but this time I started when we started the show. And now I just found out the magic recipe to do a song. Don't be a badass like Ian, because you will never be that much of a badass. (laughs) Start start when the show starts. Do not start three hours earlier like Ian does. (laughs) And uh, and dude, I'm serious, bro. I mean, I don't know. Maybe listening back, um, I won't think the same. But I really did listen to last week's episode sober, edited it down a lot. And you know what? I was very embarrassed by my performance, extremely embarrassed. But 
it was also very funny for people that'll be laughing at my embarrassment. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, that's what I, that's what I was wondering myself. I was like, uh, I, I know it was fun to record, but we were both drunk. I was like, can sober people appreciate this? So I, I, I'll be very interested to see the response. Well, know? I did, and Ian, let me tell you something. You are not. You are very much drunk on the episode. Don't get me wrong. Oh, you're, I know. You're three sheets of the wind, but I was like fucking gone. <laughs> and I made you sound like an AA fucking sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. I made you sound like, you know, the drunk guy trying to be sober, and I'm like the drunk guy trying to be more drunk. And uh, it was beautiful. And I think it was a really well done episode. And I would love, I would love to get drunk and do this episode. I understand why you love doing this episode so much drunk. Because it's a lot of fun talking music drunk, dude. It is. It is. So there's my pick of the week, Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. What's yours, Ian? Uh, my pick of the week is uh, an album that's kind of uh, universally looked down by Black Sabbath fans. Oh. Of the cl- of the classic era. Oh, I love it. And uh, they did and nothing gotta, wrong in the seventies. And I gotta tell you, there's there's two songs on here I can't stand. But to me, uh, the two songs that I can't stand are different than what a lot of other people can't stand. I'm talking about Technical Ecstasy. Amazing album. Only one song uh, on there I don't like. Uh, I, I, I no no two songs now. two songs yeah. I, I agree it's an amazing album. It, it's kind of a left turn, but I think that's the charm of it. I, I And I think it's something that, in my opinion, they perfect with the next record as far as taking a change. I know a lot of other people, you know, like want to hear, you know, the sound of the first six. You know, but, you know, you know people get so uptight about it. There's people like, oh, it's only the first five or only the first four or only the first three. You know, but uh, but this is where they did take a big detour. The only songs I don't care for is Backstreet Kids and uh, Rock and Roll Doctor. Oh well, one of the two I agree with you, but keep going. Now there's there's people who hate She's Gone. I hate that I, song. I love She's Gone. It's like the worst Black Sabbath song ever from the original lineup, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Well, no, no, that and Breakout. Yeah, see, see, and I I I, I love that. I love that, but I mean, Dirty Women. I love all movies. It's kind of it's kind of odd because you are known as the ballad hater. You're right, right. But but I, I I think maybe it's at the time when I bought this and shit. We're talking about this has got to be like '88 or '89 when I bought this. But I did buy it right when I was breaking up with like a high like like a freshman girlfriend or a, or you know a sophomore girlfriend. Huh. And, and, and I kind of connected with the song, but it, it didn't, I mean, it is very dirge-like and very like, whoa, it's me. And, and very simplistic, like, eh, I wanted you to be my wife or some shit. Yeah, like, yeah, but for- Pretty for cringeworthy what, in my opinion. You know, it, it could be nostalgia reasons, but I like it. But to me, I mean, you really want to talk about cringeworthy? To me, is Backstreet Kids and Rock and Roll Doctor. Oh, I love Backstreet Kids. I, I, Rock and Roll I, I, Doctor sucks. I think both of those are almost like uh, nobody I know will ever I take the rock and roll away from me. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, and I hate I the love key- that keyboards. I, to me, it sounds like poison. 
But, 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 you know, again, now here's another unpopular metal opinion. Uh, I can't stand Johnny Blade. Well, go uh, get your dick wet then. Because you're I'll wrong. I, I think it's the keyboards on, you know, and the whole Johnny Blade. Fuck, I love that song. Johnny Blade. And I know a lot of people who like it. And, and I'm just like. Oh, that Johnny's a spider. Well, now, now, see that part? That part I fucking love. But those keyboards and then the chords of Johnny Blee is like nails on a chalkboard. Oh, but well. but I, I'll tell you what, I think a very underrated uh, Sabbath song is You Won't Change Me. Fuck yeah! Dude, my second favorite track off that album. I fucking love that, and I love It's All Right. And, I, and You Won't Change Me is full of fucking keyboards. Yeah, but... Now, but, It's All Right. Now, that's a beautiful fucking battle. Oh, oh, incredible song. Guns uh, N' Roses covered it. Yes. Uh, I, 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 I love Gypsy. Yeah. The drums all, on that song. Holy fuck. All moving parts stand still. My favorite track off the album. Oh, yeah. Oh, great one. But I, I think that's one... Uh, you know, a lot of people, it's like the last album they check out out of that era because it's just, you know, bad word of mouth. But if you don't know it, check it out. And, and you know, and if you're new to Sabbath or whatever, like, you know, if there is such a thing, listen to it with fresh ears and let me know what you think. That's another thing. Uh, a couple of times we've heard, we've heard back on our Picks of the Weeks, but I'd like to hear back more about, you know, if we've turned, if we've actually turned you on to an album uh, that you've never heard before, because that's really what we're trying to do with these. We're trying to like, you know, find homes for these children, <laughs> you know, these these metal children that we love. So, and, and not so much like, oh, we want to turn other people onto it. it dude, to me, it's not about that. You know what it is, dude? It's all about somebody saying, dude, because of you, I love this fucking album. It's not. I don't want to like force people to like it. I just love when I hear somebody tell me how much they love something because of what we did. Right. Oh, no, no, and no. That, no. And that, going back to how Ian discovered me and a lot of people, whatever, the YouTube sensation that Ian calls me, the very first right. review I ever did, ever, was the very first Black Sabbath album. And if you look at that review, I say on that review, I say, if one person out of out of everybody that sees what I'm saying right now, if just one person likes what I'm doing, it's worth it. If I get fucking three views and one out of three love it, it's worth it because this is something I love that if somebody out there that is not aware of this and connects to it as much as I connected it, their life has something to love. Because let me tell you something, man. Like Black Sabbath won. You know, and, and technical ecstasy, dude. And, and you know, Goodbye Elbrick Road in rock. It makes my life, it gives an element to my life that makes life so much better. And if I hear somebody out there get the same type of love of something that I turn them on to, that to me is love. Oh, right yeah. And, and uh, what's cool is some of our uh, lowest rated episodes, we have reached people. Yes. Uh, you, you know, uh, uh, two two of our lowest rated ones was uh, 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 sabotage, and uh, another one was triumph. But but both times, even though the ratings overall were low, 
I've had people who wrote in and said, wow, I didn't know this, but now I've checked it out and I loved it. So, wow, that's... See, that's you know? what makes all this worthwhile. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. If nobody gets turned on to our shit, who gives a fuck? We're fucking happy doing this shit. But at the same time, it's kind of like the, the, the frosting on the cake, as, as Paul Stanley would say. Right. I'm the whole damn pig. <laughs> but uh, like even uh, you know the guy we just picked on for the last two episodes, Hunter, uh, was a notorious Stones hater, and he said since the goats had soup, he goes, he goes, God damn it, he goes, I'm discovering all these Stone songs and I like them. Yeah, I'm like, go. good, <laughs> you know, you know. Uh, so th- there's our picks of the week: Elton John, Yellow Brick Road, and Black Sabbath, Technical Ecstasy. Check those out. Uh, as far as fan of the week, um, I, 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 I didn't pick one. I have I could, one. I have one. I got two drugs. Oh, good, good. You saved me. Okay. Who is your fan of the week? And he's not really um, uh, very prevalent on the Facebook page. I think he's on it, but he never posts. But Why I ha- not? But I happen to know he listens to us. Okay. And he's a personal friend of mine that I okay. I, I know in wow. real life. Okay, so he's barely squeaking in there. But he <laughs> he's actually been on our show too. Who's that? Daniel Jackson from uh, the guy that did the Metal City Mayhem. He oh listens, yeah yeah yeah. He listens to us, and we've never had him as fan of the week. And I want to give a shout out to Daniel Jackson. He's also the guy responsible for the Wake Up Smell the Thrash puppet video. Yeah, well, uh, he, he should be fan of the week just for that alone. Yeah, exactly. And he's done a lot of stuff for my band. And, you know, just a lot of stuff, period. Uh, he's a good man, and uh, I love him dearly. And he does listen to us, and that shows you, you know. And, you know, it's not like he likes everything we review, but he still he tells me. He still listens to us. And he even sometimes calls me to tell me how funny a certain episode was. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dan Jackson. Now let's get to the plugs. Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right. It's your podcast. Every month... Podkiss crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Music's most diverse podcast. 
starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs and Mr T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. And come back next week when our special guest is addiction expert, Dr. Drew. I knew he was coming on eventually. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Drew's coming on the show, and he doesn't even want to talk about an album. He really? wants to talk about our drinking. <laughs> oh, we got to have him on that special Friday. <laughs> yeah. And, I refuse uh, to hear somebody lecture me while I'm sober. <laughs> hey, nobody likes a quitter, so he's got his work cut out for him. So join us with Dr. Drew next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. You know, before we have him on the show, I want to drink four bottles. By the time he's on, I'll think he's Dr. Seuss. Nice. <laughs>